Have you ever taken a moment to reflect or ask yourself the question, why the church exists? Well, this is the question we set out to answer in today's message. So the goal is to challenge us um, to change our thinking about the way we think about church or the church and also to reevaluate our standing with regard to our individual and corporate calling. So last Sunday, uh, Pastor Rob talked about what, what the church is. Okay? So today we are exploring or at least trying to answer or shed light on what the church is here for, meaning why does it exist? But before we get into answering this question, I would like to take a moment to to try to dive into why we have the church in the first place, or how did the church come into existence in the first place? It takes us back to the very beginning when God created everything. He said it was all good. He created men and women in in his image, and he gave dominion to men and women to to look over his creation, to take care of his creation. And for men and women to be in relationship with him. And he said he will be their God and there will be his people. But you know what happened soon after? The devil, Satan, infiltrated the garden and causing Adam and Eve to sin. That action, their action, destroyed their relationship with God. And the Heavenly Father, in His compassion, in His faithfulness, set out on a journey to redeem humanity to himself, to reconcile humankind to himself. So in his pursuit to reconcile mankind to himself, God made a covenant, a sort of contract with this guy named Abraham. He made that commitment to Abraham. He said to Abraham that I will bless you. You will become a big nation. Um, you will be blessed. Um, and, 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 and furthermore, he said to Abraham that all nations on the earth will be blessed through you. That was fantastic. Despite Abraham and his descendant shortcomings, God kept his covenant. He sent his only son, Jesus, 
to die for us, for human, for humanity. So through Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection, the Abrahamic covenant is fulfilled. And that gave way to everyone to become part of God's family, which is the church or the the ecclesia, like Pastor Rob described it for us last Sunday. So in John 3, 16, the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whomsoever believe in him should not perish but will have eternal life. This is the promise that God has made to Abraham that through him, through his descendant, through his lineage, that the whole world, every nation in the earth will be blessed. And in John chapter 1 verse 12, Jesus himself says that he came to his own. They did not receive him, but to those who accept him, those who receive him and believe in him, he gave them the power to become children of God. What a promise. Again, those who believe in him, who accept them, from each and every nation, become the church, the ecclesia. So despite Jesus' unparalleled teaching, his, his unmatched deeds, the miracles, everything he has done, despite all these things, many Jews did not accept him as the Messiah. Because in their mind, in their thinking, they were waiting for someone, for a Messiah who would come, who would deliver them, deliver them from woman occupation. They were waiting for um, someone who will remove all the injustice that was going on. That person will come to remove them. So, Because Jesus did not fit those criteria, they rejected him. So the danger is that the way we think sometimes or what we believe can be detrimental. So this is why you and I need to be mindful. The Israelites were waiting for this mighty warrior uh, who would come and, and keep the woman occupation. But Jesus came as a humble king. He did not, he did not fit their criteria and therefore they rejected him. So you and I, as described last Sunday, we are a community of the called. We are our community set apart for a special calling. So if we do not think right, we may, we may miss the point 
to not know what are we here for. And this is exactly what we set out to explore and to shed light on this morning. The way we think or what we think or what we believe matters significantly. For me, when we talk about um, the calling of the church, three things come to mind, or three things make top of my list. Number one is love God, love your neighbor as yourself, and make disciples. These three things come to mind. Maybe for you it is four things, it is seven things, it is even ten. But me, the three things that make the top of my list are those. God created us to be in relationship with him at the very beginning when he puts us in the garden. He wanted us to be in relationship with him, to worship him, and to seek after him. As I said before, he wanted us to to be his people. He created us to be his people and him our God. So that does, does not change. So we need to love our God with all ourselves. So in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, I am going to read those little fonts. I hope I can see them. Paul sent this letter to the, 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 the church of Rome and in which Paul wanted to encourage the people to take their relationship with God seriously. He wrote in chapter 12, verse 1, Paul said, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Verse 2, he said, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul here is exhorting or compelling uh, uh, um, the, 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 the Christian of Rome to, um, to take seriously the relationship with God, to worship God, to put God first. And, and in fact, this is exactly what God wants himself for us to continuously be in relationship with him, to seek after him, 
So when we wake up in the morning, the first thing in our mind should be spending a little bit of time with God. There are times it is not possible, but at least you need to find some time throughout the day to spend that quality time, this alone time, this quietness with God. He wants that for us. Paul, in, in this letter, reminding the people how important it is. He said, brothers and sisters, once upon a time, to be in communion with God, to be in relationship with God, to, 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 to find forgiveness for our sins, to feel closer to God, we had to, 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 to kill animals. But he said, you know, now, in recognition for everything he has done, now all we have to do is to offer ourselves, to surrender all ourselves to God, to put himself first in our lives. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice, pleasing to God. I know Many of us, we, we strive, we, we make a lot of effort to, to at least adhere to this first thing. To at least have a relationship with God and try to do our best to, to serve him. I know that. The second one is um, to love your neighbors as you love yourself. This one is not always the easiest one. So in John chapter 13, verse, verses 34 and, and 35, Jesus says the following. He said, a new comment I give to you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the first thing that comes to mind when we talk about why the church is here for, why does the church exist? The first thing for me is to love God and to revere him and to be in relationship and to seek after him day after day. The second thing is what we read in John chapter 13 here, uh, verses 34 and 35, where Jesus commented, he says that a new command that I give you, Love one another. Isn't that fantastic? To, it, it's a comment. This is not a choice. This is not something we can choose to do or not to do. This is a requirement, a comment to love one another. So Jesus is calling us out to, 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 to be there for each other, to love each other, um, to, 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 to encourage each other, um, 
to serve each other, to support each other. And I think many of us have done that uh, throughout the pandemic. Many, not many of us, all of us have been home for over a year now. Uh, so what we, we've done as a church, we remain connected with each other. We, we drop phone calls, we send text messages, email and everything, uh, FaceTiming in order to keep up, to encourage support and reach out to each other. So Jesus said, this, this is a must. Although sometimes, uh, in certain circumstances, some people cherry pick who they want to love. But here, when we read here, we do not have a choice. We do not have the luxury of picking who we want to love. We are required, we are called to love one another, to be there for one another. And Jesus said, when we do that, the unchurch will see and they will know that we are his disciples. Isn't that wonderful? Also, we, we read in Ephesians chapter 4, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 through 6, I read the following. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Whoa, be completely humble, gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, and make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. I stop right there. So here in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6 and onward, so we receive a comment here from, from Paul. He's writing to the church of, of Ephesus. He reminded the, the, the church there to work in a way that is worthy of their calling. He said to do everything they can to live in unity, to, to stand by each other, to be there for each other in love. Isn't that great? To live in a way that is worthy of our calling. That is fantastic. So, first, we need to love our God. Second, we need to love our neighbors just like we love ourselves. Now, we are going to the next point, which is the last one I am going to talk about, making disciples. Jesus, before ascending to heaven, it was after his resurrection, he gave an appointment to the disciples to meet with him on a mountain. It was the 11, because Judah was no longer with them. There, Jesus commissioned the disciples 
he gave them another comment. We have a comment to love God with all our hearts, with mind, all ourselves. Jesus gave a second comment to love our neighbors, the way we love ourselves, and then now another comment to make disciples. So as I was saying earlier, uh, many of us, we stick to the first one. We do our best to worship God. Um, you know, uh, uh, um, we, we sometimes even at work, we will ask, you know, to have our Sunday off so that we can go to church to worship God. Many of us as well go out of our way, you know, to, to be loving, to be kind uh, uh, for, for each other, to love each other, to be there for each other. We, we make effort in, in those areas. But as far as making disciples is concerned, we are very complacent. Jesus gave this comment um, to the disciple. He commissioned them. So in Matthew um, 28, verses 18 through 20, in verse 18, Jesus said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, see all nations again, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of this age. Whoa! Jesus is getting ready to go back to his father at the end of his earthly ministry. He started something. He entrusted the disciples with that movement. He spent over three years, about three years, teaching them, coaching them, getting them ready for, for this work. He reminded them that he was God among them. He said, all authority has been given to me on earth and in heaven. All authority. And then he's passing that authority to the disciples. And he's commanding them to go and make disciples. Making disciples sounds a little strange or a little out of the ordinary. But what he means by making disciples is that we need to go and share the good news about Jesus, to tell others who Jesus is, what he's capable of, what he has done, and what he's able to do. He wants us to go out there and tell people that Jesus can change their lives around. So when 
we read the Bible and see the 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 the, the, the go the, uh, the 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 imperative go here. We we connect it. We relate it to to missionary work. Some people say, well, I contribute for the missionaries, you know, in El Salvador, in, you know, in, 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 in some of the third world countries or whatever. And for this reason, they said, I don't have to do anything. And some other people would say that, hey, I, I pay, we pay a pastor to preach the gospel. And then, hey, all we have to do is sit and watch or we sing and, and so on and so forth. But Jesus commanded us, all of us, each of us, to play a part in making disciples, to tell others, to bring others into that family. Just like someone else has told us about Jesus, we need to do the same. We need to pass it on. So Jesus said, make disciple of all nations. Again, we, we can connect that back to the promise that God has made to Abraham to bless him, to make him a big nation, and through him that all nations of the earth will be blessed. So we see that the fulfillment of this covenant of this promise right here. So we need to play a part in making disciples. So maybe some of you are questioning or asking yourself, well, how do we make disciples? I, I, I said a few things earlier that, that, that you just need to tell someone about Jesus. You don't need to, on, uh, uh, you know, to, 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 to have a, 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 a MD, you know, a, a, a master of divinity or a PhD, a doctorate in, in, in theology or something. You can just at least tell someone about your experience with Jesus or maybe what Jesus has done in other people's lives. That will be enough. Or what the Bible says about him, that would be enough. Is there a formula to make disciples? I do not think so. Although sometimes we tend to, um, to, to, to focus on, on, on that one thing, believing that it is the most useful or the most efficient, but I do not think so. There was a time we, we were building a lot of churches. In every corner, there was a church we built, and we say people will come. So we figure out many years after that people do not just walk into churches like that. Or maybe at some point it worked, it no longer worked. Some other people said maybe the best way is to go and and knock at people's doors, you know, and hand them a, something, a track or something, and that would be the perfect thing. Or we do just like the Jehovah Witnesses, and we go, we knock at the door, and then we recite something, like a robot or whatever, and believing that people will follow Christ. Some of us focus on, on friendship, Saying maybe if we 
being friends with someone, and then we will live out the gospel, and, um, and then maybe the person will come to Christ. But some other people say, what? Maybe it's about service. You know, serve others, be kind to, to others, and then that will bring them closer um, to Jesus. And some pastors or some, some, some teachers, um, Bible teachers, you know, they try to dilute the message, you know, in order to attract people, you know, make it, um, how do I describe it? Well, you know what dilution means. They just diluted the message in order for it to be attractive. So my friend, I want to tell you this morning, there is no specific formula or we don't need to to diminish the word. We don't need to dilute it. We don't need to add anything on it. The Apostle Paul said the gospel is a power. In fact, the Bible says the word of God is is a double-edged sword. It's enough, enough to penetrate, to change lives. We don't need to add, and then we don't need to curtail anything from it. And there is no specific formula. The opportunity will come on your way. All you have to do is to seize the opportunity, and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. But you need to be intentional about making disciples. We need to stop just going to church, singing, and spending time together with fellow believers and thinking this is it. There is nothing else. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus here speaking, this is him saying that upon receiving the power of the Holy Spirit, he asked his followers, his disciples, to go out and be his his witness. Not only in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, in some other city around the country, but he said through the extremity of the world, once again, we see all nations come into play again. In Matthew 25, verses 31 through 33, let me find it and read it for you. 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. Again, we see all the nations again. Whoa! All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another, 
as a shepherd separate sheep from the goat. Verse 33, he will put the sheep on his right side and the goat on the left. Ooh. And those on the right side, Jesus will tell them, hey, when I was in jail, you visited me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you, you fed me, and so on and so forth. And then he said to them, welcome. He will be saying to them, welcome, good and faithful servant. But you know what he will say to those who did not receive him, who did not obey him. Those who did not visit him while he was in jail, who did not feed him while he was hungry, you know what he's going to tell them. Sadly, he will tell them, I did not know you. And the saddest thing will be the fact that many of these people, Jesus will say that I did not know you, used to go to church. I know you are compassionate people that you want others to receive this reward. You want others, members of your families, your friends or people in the world, you want other people to be, to found themselves on the right side where Jesus will tell them that when I was hungry, you, you fed me. You want people, eh? I know you do. Therefore, we need to be intentional about reaching out the unchurched for Jesus. So, friends, the way you think about church or what you believe matters significantly. And this is why it is important for us to change our thinking about the church. Many of you, or many of us, actually, we believe that uh, the church is a location. The church is a destination. It is a place where we go. In fact, it is the house of God. And then we go there, we gather there, and then we pray, we sing together. And then after that, we go and we cannot wait to come back again on Sunday to be The church, friends, we've learned last Sunday that the church is not a destination. It is not a location. The church is a community of people called out for a specific purpose. That purpose, the church exists, is to worship God to be in relationship with God, to seek after God. And the second layer of which the church exists is to love one another, to care for one another, to cherish, to elevate one another. To love your neighbor just the way you love yourself. And thirdly, to 
to bring others into the kingdom of God. So the way we think really matters. If we think the church is a location, everything we do will be towards going to that location to meet with God. All our planning will be directed to that. Oh, I cannot wait to be in, to be, uh, in that location. I cannot wait to, to go to Bromley Wood Baptist Church to be there, to meet with fellow believers, to worship God there, to meet with God there. If you believe that the church is a community called for a specific purpose that changes everything. And I think uh, the biggest teacher we, we, we've had in the recent months is the pandemic, which is really teaching us open our eyes to see that the church is really not a destination. It is not a location, but it is who we are. Because although we were not able to gather together, we continue to be the church. We were not able to, to meet face to face, but we continued to reach out to each other, to call each other. We continue to contribute financially so that we can help those who are in trouble, meaning those who lost their job, those who are less fortunate, those who, those who were hit by the pandemic the most. So despite not being able to get together, we continue to be the church. So the pandemic really forces us to rethink and to reevaluate the way we think about church. So in conclusion, I do not know where you are right now. Maybe you are at home listening, or you are driving listening, or wherever you are. And I do not know your standing with regard to your individual calling, or the corporate calling, meaning the calling of the church. I do not know where you are at, at this point. But if you are new to the faith, no matter the situation, although everything I talked about here doesn't make much sense to you, but I will advise you to hang on. The Holy Spirit will, 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 will do his work in you, and then he will help you to really get a grip on, on this. And sooner or later, you will get a better understanding. Hang on. Those of you who are maybe on the edge, who are still on the fence, um, you maybe try to explore this, you are considering um, to step in, to try Jesus out, I will encourage you to go ahead and give him a try, and you will never regret He can change your life. If you are listening today and you do not, you you find yourself in a crossroad, you do not know to turn left, right, and go forward or backwards, I 
am calling out to you right now. I am even begging you to give Jesus a chance. And you will see what happened with your life. But those of you who, who, who know the truth, you, you've been working with God uh, for, for a long time, for, for decades now. I am challenging you to change your mindset about what the church is and what the church does. The church is not a location. It is not a destination. But the church is what we are, is who we are. We are the church. And Jesus count on us. Jesus rely on us to reach the unchurched, to reach the community that is perishing. I used to believe that when, when Jesus says that, you know, the, 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 the church need to reach the community where, where, where it lives. I, I, I used to believe that, oh, maybe the surrounding community where our church building is. But no, it's, when, it's where we actually live ourselves, in our neighborhoods where we live. The, the people we work with, the people we go to school with, the people we hang out with. Those are the, the, the people we need to reach out. To conclude, I am giving you an illustration. So this is, or this was a lived experience for me. I was working as a settlement counselor or a settlement worker here in Ottawa a few years ago. And I, I, I was working um, in, in an office with, um, with a bunch of lawyers. My job was to help newcomers with the immigration processes, filling out their forms, their applications, and all the documents, the supporting documents that they needed. And I need to make sure they have them all. And when everything was ready to go, and then I will connect them with one of the lawyers to review everything before we ship it out to, uh, to the immigration. So this guy came, and I was helping him when I was done with my work. I referred them, referred him to one of the lawyers. The lawyers. What happened was that this guy, I am friend with his pastor, whom had invited me several times to speak in his church. So this gentleman knew me as Pastor David, but the people I work with, they do not know me as Pastor David, or perhaps they don't even know if I am a Christian or not. So this guy went to the lawyer, not went to the lawyer, but the guy called the lawyer to make an appointment but the lawyer told him, did you see David? Has he completed all his forms and everything is ready to go? And then the guy responded, oh, yes, Pastor David. Yeah, I, I met with him last week. And, um, and then he told me everything is done. So I need to book an appointment with you. And then the lawyer said, no, I am not talking about Pastor David. I'm talking about David who works with us in, in the office. And then the guy said, yes, 
Yes, Pastor David, yeah, yeah. And then the lawyer left it at that. And then the next time we met, he brought me to his office and he said, David, are you a Christian? And I said, of course I am a Christian. And then he said, how come I never hear you say things like, um, in God's name, or, okay, uh, see you tomorrow, God willing, and, and, you know, all this God, Jesus, you know, stuff. And, hmm, I, he got me thinking. Because me, in my philosophy, I said, you know something? God put me in that office. I am meeting a lot of people, especially the newcomers, new to Canada. I said, I am going to do my best to represent Jesus in this office. Not only to the newcomers, to my client, the people I was serving, but also to the colleague that I was working with. My goal is that I am not going to wear an tag to say that I'm a pastor or I am a Christian, but I will live it out. There is nothing wrong with that. Because earlier I was talking about formula. There is no specific formula. But what I want you to say is sometimes anything will work as long as we rely on the Holy Spirit. My philosophy is that, you know, I will work in that office, I will do my best to represent God, to represent Jesus, to be Jesus' eyes, his hands, in what I do. And sincerely, I did represent him very well. Sometimes people question me, they see, they feel, when I go the extra mile. But you know, I don't think that was the best, the best way because I was working with a group of people who did not know that I was a Christian. I never opened my mouth to tell them I am the way I am. I treat them the way I treat them because I am a Christian. So I will encourage you today to not focus in this one formula thinking it is the best, but any opportunity that God put on your way to just seize it and relying on him to do the rest, to rely on the Holy Spirit to do the rest. Because Jesus says the moment that you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, he said, I want you to witness me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the extremity of the earth. So my friend, I am calling out to you this morning or today or at any time you will be listening to this message to change the way you think about church. Change your mindset. And in fact, people who are raising children or who will be raising children, I want you to change the way you talk to your children about church. Stop telling your children that we're going to go to church. Or maybe you can say you're going to go to church, but you need to find a way to help them understand that the church is not a location, it's not a building, it's not a place we go, but we are the church and we need to leave it out. I am calling out to you. I am calling out to myself to stop 
thinking of the church as a location, but to believe that we are the church and we need to live in a way worthy of our calling. Remember, to love God with all your mind, your heart, and yourself. To love your neighbors as you love yourself. And to go out and make disciples. Lord Jesus, we thank you this morning uh, for, for the great privilege of being a community that you call out to represent you. Who are we for you to count on on us to do this great work? And not only uh, you call us out to do it, but you do not leave us alone to do it. You give us the Holy Spirit to be there to encourage us, to energize us, to go where we cannot go, to do what we cannot do. And we pray that you will help us to be more intentional about making disciple because it is important we want as many people to come so that when you return in your glory so you find a lot of people on your right side we thank you this morning please encourage us remind us help us to be intentional about our calling not only our individual calling but our corporate calling whether it is through invite, through friendship, through service, through whatever the mean we are going to use, but it is still making disciple. We thank you. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.